Hey, dentisting friends, this is Dr. Nacho. I'm so excited to be doing the Dental Nacho Supreme CE coming up soon. It is going to be 24 hours of live streamed virtual CE brought to you on your couch when you watch live. It counts as live. Miss an episode. It's going to be up in the group for the entire year. To learn more about this awesome opportunity, reach out to us at dentalnachos.com or email supreme at dentalnachos.com. My number one amigo, Rob, is going to be one of the uh, presenters for the Dental Nacho Supreme. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to be CE brought to you on your couch. Don't miss out. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special edition of the Dental Amigos podcast dedicated to recent issues surrounding the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here socially distanced from you, Rob. So. Yeah, we're about a mile and a half away. I think that's a safe distance in today's uh, climate, right? I think we're okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're sort of joined uh, together today, but uh, the... The marvels of technology allow us to, to be able to, to function on and carry on and uh, during times like this. And we're recording this episode on March 24th, 2020, uh, our second uh, Zoom podcast where we're not in the room together. And wow, we thought uh, last week the world was crazy, Paul. And uh, since then, things have gotten crazier. And uh, here we are with uh, round two to talk about some of the issues that are coming up and some business issues uh, that we see our clients and, and dental colleagues faced with. And we're also joined today by my colleague, Anna Hoslinski, who's an attorney in our firm who handles a whole range of matters, including practice sales and acquisitions, employment agreement preparations for employers, uh, and consulting on uh, human relations and personnel issues. And I will say that that used to be uh, the last part was a part of what Anna did. And uh, I think uh, pretty much now that's all that Anna does uh, and has done for, uh, for the last week. That's in addition to reading uh, 112 pages of uh, legislation and laws and all sorts of fun things over her, uh, her coffee in the morning. So uh, it's great to have you uh, on with us again, Anna, and welcome, Amiga, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me again. You know, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun over here with my light reading in the morning with all these new laws that are coming out. I told out. you I have a 112 page uh, uh, a report you read the other day, right, Anna? Yeah, that's, and that's just one law. There are others that will be longer and <laughs> in addition to that one. And Rob, we don't have the nacho question, but we have, I know there's a question on everyone's mind because I've been broadcasting a lot on a lot of Facebook Lives and this one question is, how many different colored nacho t-shirts does Dr. Nacho have? And today <laughs> I have the Eagles one on. To, to represent the resiliency and optimism of Eagles fans because Ariel and Brand are on there and the Eagles fans say if we just get to the playoffs and I'm also decided my drink for the day would be a yards local brewing signature IPA because the Eagles their signature is optimism and resiliency thinking if we just get to the playoffs we can get to the Super Bowl so I think it's a good theme for today. 
I like it. I like it. And so, but in, in, even though we don't have a nacho question, uh, I would like to talk about uh, just a little nacho sanity, maybe, and some yeah. fitness. Like, you know, um, I know Anna is uh, is an athlete. She's run several uh, marathons and uh, keeps herself uh, uh, fit and, and works out a lot. And I know Paul, you you hit the gym uh, hard, and I see that the push up. Uh, I did challenge the challenge until Halloween. We did four push-ups. That was good with the moderator on my back. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to see both moderators on your back. I'm working on that. Yeah, thanks. But um, so you know, just you guys, let's just talk a little bit about what uh, what you're doing to just take care of yourself, either through working out or mindfulness or what, what are you doing to stay sane and as healthy as possible now uh, that we're all homebound? Uh, Anna always rides her bike to the office, so you don't have that anymore, Anna. Uh, but tell our listeners a little bit about what your Corona fitness program is looking like these days. Yeah, so I actually, uh, right before I jumped on this, I went for a quick run outside because it's beautiful here in Philadelphia, nice and sunny, as you can see through the windows. Um, and then I have a Peloton bike right back there behind me, which we just bought a couple weeks ago and has to be the most timely and lucky purchase I think I've ever made. And I'm surviving now on uh, a regimen of yoga and uh, Peloton spin rides. Um, but yeah, that's mostly what I'm doing to stay sane. And then on nice days like today, I try to get out for a run. And, and when you're running, you're, you're observing proper spacing with the people around you. Absolutely. Yeah. I did actually encounter some people on my run today who promptly moved to the other side of the sidewalk to get out of my way as I was coming, which I, I have to say, you know, Je Jeff Nacho and I was watching, you know, he's a, we could get ask him about his fitness. He's like, you know, I got it wrong. Nike JG Air Max might be his Peloton name. Anybody who's on the Peloton, he's one of the top <laughs> ones. In the whole country you can put in the chat what it is but we were uh, i had to uh, get something and i actually think the people of philadelphia so far are taking a lot of the social distancing well uh i agree with anna in the sense where people are getting it they're sort of keeping this six feet apart waiting one in and one out of a bank and it seems like so far from my what i've observed is going okay no some other states are not uh going that way but you asked me rob what am i doing well first let's get into my nutrition because usually uh i eat a bag of nachos this big each day but it, we're, you told me yesterday we got we got we got to slim down everything. So I I, I downsized to this size nachos. Okay. Um, but in all seriousness, I think you know I'm the representative dentist on the panel, and you guys have your own routine, and maybe a lot of what you do does lend itself to remote work. Dentistry doesn't as much, but I think structure in a day is important. So I still think of fitting in time to exercise. I believe it might not seem seen this way, but I try to put in a phone-free hour with Mrs. Nacho, uh, puzzles with Daphne. And then I also think that whatever work you can do is important because we this long snow day thing we have, if you don't do any work on your business, that's not going to be good. If you do too much work and make yourself crazy, that's not good either. But some sort of also just investment in both our dental practice and getting systems ready for when they uh, turn the dentisting lights back on. I know we'll talk about this. I don't really know. That's kind of my mental i also bought a book about george washington which i have not started yet but i want to start reading that book well you're gonna have time yeah okay. yeah that's it. yeah but it's important you know and, and we're all dealing with with the stress of, of a very difficult situation now and you know taking care of yourself physically and and also mentally and you know turning your phone off for an hour or maybe several hours a day i know paul that would be a very difficult thing for you i'm not going to ask you to do that um but uh, it's not—it's uh, not a bad thing. Uh, we can definitely get brought down by by all this stuff, and there's only so much news that you need to know. Uh, and, and truly, if, if anything 
material happens and there's a big change in what's going on in the world, I'm pretty sure your phone will start to buzz and you'll realize that your, your, your peace and quiet is over. But, you know, taking a little break from the phone, working out, uh, and just doing the things to spend time with family is, is really important. Um, just at, at the obvious thing for the obvious reasons of keeping yourself fit, but, you know, just so you don't lose your mind. And, you know, the part of, for me, part of the challenge with all this from a business standpoint and just a, a health and wellness standpoint is how long it's going to be. And normally, you know, if you have a brutal workout, you're going to go on a long run or a long swim, you know what that is going, how long that's going to take yeah. and where the end is. And, you know, um, We've said, you know, every day it's it's like you know Bill Murray's you know Groundhog Day. We wake up and here it is again. And I can speak for my dentist people. And I was saying this in the beginning. And we are on day nine of this. Hopefully, we're not broadcasting on day ninety. But I think it's important to remember it's only been nine days so far. No matter what happens next, and my dental people, and a lot of it's because we fix problems immediately. We fix do fillings. We take out a tooth. You guys have more long and drawn out answers, you know, for asset purchase agreements. And I think if you told dentists tomorrow. They would be very comfortable if you told them it was 36 days tomorrow because they would just say, okay, now I got it. And I just, unfortunately, I don't think that's coming. And I know a lot of people would be comfortable with that, but I want to just, you know, sort of embrace my dental people because I know you're used to schedules. I know you're used to 9 a.m. filling, 10 a.m. somebody complains about their denture, things like that. But I want to ask you, Rob, before we get into this, because it was a good topic, but I've been to the Montgomery household. Okay. So I'm not going to say where it is because people are going to stampede because Vetri next door is selling retail wine. And uh, you can make an appointment. So I've been to Rob's house where you have an amazing wine cellar next to your workout area. So how do you, uh, does that motivate you to go down there? Uh, or how does that work? Share with us how, what you're doing. It, it is right next to the workout area. <laughs> um, I, but the workout area, that happens in the morning. The wine happens in the evening. Um, but uh, yeah, working out, um, we're, uh, my wife Kimberly and I uh, do a lot of uh, kettlebell workouts uh, in mornings. Um, she does some yoga. I keep vowing to do yoga with her. I don't do that. Uh, but, you know, kettlebells and, you know, like circuit training. And uh, occasionally I'll run too, but I tweaked my calf uh, a while ago. And every time I seem to run, it hurt that. But. Well, look, I, I got to answer. I'm not going to, Amanda and Ariel, I'm not going to tell you where Rob lives to violate social distancing. So they live in the city. So they wanted to come over for the wine cellar. Jill and Brand are in the suburbs. So I don't know where that is out there, but. The last time I saw Ariel was at a BYO. It was like the last, I think it was like right before civilization as we know it ended. Yeah. And and we were walking out and Ariel was, was walking in with her sister and a friend and uh, they were very well stocked. Well, I, I thought that there was like eight people on the party and uh, Ariel after corrected said, no, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, just the four of us. So um, anytime. You know, great. Said, oh, are you ready for the pandemic? They said, what pandemic? It's just Friday. So, you know. <laughs> And I look back and I think that dinner was, uh, we were, uh, yeah, it was probably, uh, it was probably two weeks ago, uh, yeah. which uh, seems like BC, uh, BC, it's, it's a good kickoff. I do believe we are, whether we're being serious, whether we're making jokes, whether we're talking about our businesses, we have to keep things light, but also be serious. I do think we're moving into this ACBC world of a, after coronavirus, before coronavirus for a lot of us. Yeah, 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 for sure. For all of us, really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's crazy times. Um, and so um, I think what we talked about doing for uh, the people that are watching the video, I have a, a little uh, PowerPoint that we have a, a top 10 and not necessarily the only 10 and not in any particular order, but 10 things that uh, dentists should really be thinking about you know, business and legal considerations during the, uh, the, uh, the pandemic. So I'm going to share my screen here. 
Um, maybe uh, folks that are going to read the show notes, if they want to see these, we can post that as well. Uh, but um, let's walk through that. If you give me a second here. To do. And along the way, Rob, I'll try to let you guys, you guys did uh, was awesome. But I, if there's a question that I definitely see related to a point, I'll just add it into that point, you know, for clarity or watch this for, for extra guidance and clarity. Look, I'm an attorney already, right? That, that part of it, just say guidance. Guidance is one of your favorite words. I like that. No, I like that, Paul. That sounds okay. good. It's nice that you're outnumbered for a change. Yes, you know, I know, right? Usually exactly. happen. Usually, Usually it's, it's Rob and the dentists. Now it's Paul and the lawyers. Ariel's a hygienist, so she's sort of adding some some into there. <laughs> she's your backup. Up, Jill's grown up with dentists, so she's like, it's like when you get an honorary degree, like Elton John gets an honorary, honorary knighting. Jill's honorary dentist. Brandon's working in demand on that degree, too. <laughs> okay. Jill's happy to hear that, I'm sure. Uh, okay. So first thing we want to talk about is um, – the sexiest of sexy topics, which is the real estate, right? So office leases, what type of things should you be concerned about if you have a dental office lease? And uh, really, there's a couple of categories with this. First is if you are in the process of negotiating a lease now for a startup or uh, an office expansion, whatever the case may be, there are certain provisions that you want to try to include, and specifically what's referred to as a force majeure clause. Uh, force majeure clause is something that's in a lot of leases, and it's usually one of those things that is a couple of paragraphs above the signature line or in the miscellaneous section. It's a, uh, a, a clause and a, and a topic that gets very little airtime during uh, normal times, but we're not in normal times, Paul. So uh, here in the, the corona day and age, these force majeure provisions are becoming more and more important. And really, in short, what they are is uh, it's, a, it's a clause in, in an agreement, but commonly in a lease, that says that the party shall be excused from performing in a timely way, or if they're delayed, because of an act of God. And so here we are with this pandemic, which is really uh, causing all kinds of delays in construction and approvals for projects. So it's really important that your lease has uh, that type of provision in there. So check and, on that in your lease, Rob. You check if there's a force majeure clause, dig out the lease for some light reading like Anna and see if there's a force majeure clause and it is a good take home point. Yeah. And, and so and if you're negotiating a force majeure clause now and we're doing a lease, you want to specifically provide for uh, the pandemic, for the coronavirus pandemic. And, and with that too, even with a force majeure clause, if you know that you're going to be delayed, then you really should account for that and take that into consideration with the timeframes that you have for your build out and, um, and, and build in some extra time, some extra free rent, because from a practical reality right now is that it's going to take longer to get anything done. Um, so that's important for people negotiating leases. People that already have leases that are in the midst of a project should if they have any kind of delays that come up uh, that are due to contractors not being able to work or uh, local governments not open to approve plans or whatever the case may be, they should be proactive if they have these provisions in their lease and reach out to their landlord, obviously with, with the advice of their counsel, and put the landlord on notice that these conditions are occurring so that they don't lose their right to uh, invoke those uh, at a later date. 
Gotcha. It's a good, good points there. We'll go, we'll kind of take the, do the drive home take home points. Perfect. Okay. Next thing is business interruption insurance. Unfortunately, in most cases, business interruption insurance does not cover uh, business interruptions or closures that are due to this pandemic. And I say most of the time, but that does not mean all the time. So insurance policies, whether you're talking about a business interruption insurance policy or a disability policy, as we had our, our good friend and amigo Jim Cashmar on the show a while back talk about those, the, the devil is in the detail. It's what's in the agreement. It's what's in the contract. An insurance policy is a contract. So just because a friend of yours or a colleague may be denied for coverage, that doesn't mean that your business interruption insurance policy is the same as theirs. So where I see people on Facebook groups or on blogs where they're giving people advice on different things, this is one where you shouldn't be telling somebody what is going to happen in their world just because that's what happened in your world. And you don't listen to people who are saying, oh, your, interrupt, your insurance will cover this or it won't cover that. They have no way of knowing unless they've asked for and reviewed your insurance policy to know whether or not you are. So this is a good time to reach out to your insurance agent and say, let's talk about whether or not I have coverage through my business interruption insurance, or maybe perhaps through some other insurance vehicle. Um, and, you know, with everybody home, you've got plenty of time to do it. I was just going to say, Rob, uh, uh, I, like a, I like a good joke, as you know, so you can tell people why don't you just JFO, which might sound bad, but what that means is why don't you just find out? And that's one of our themes, whether it's about your employment agreement, one of our nacho sponsors or things, but this is a perfect time with your downtime to just find out what's inside of these things because really you've been such a great resource for me and Anna. You know, this is the time to protect your business. And I know you're going to go over this, uh, but, you know, to use Rob term, avail yourself of all these resources. And this is one of them time to dig in with your uh, insurance agent and talk about it. So JFOing on your business insurance seems key. Yeah. And really that's a good point, Paul, because this is, these are all the possible things. And, you know, some of them might be provide a little bit of relief or a little bit of money, others none. But when you cobble it all together, right. it starts to add up, right? And, and you need to do what you need to do to call all this stuff so that you can stay in the game as long as possible. Life is weird, Brett. Rob, my practice is now looking for beer money like I was in college. So, you know, that is it. Yeah. I found eight bucks in one pair of jeans. That's a Gary Goldman joke. When you find 20 bucks, you get the guacamole at Chipotle like a king. And that is totally Gary Goldman. A great special to watch, by the way, if you're home. But you're, well, you, you can't even take that eight bucks and go to happy hour and buy a margarita. Though. No, you can't. I know. Next thing is tax relief. So this is something that you should talk to your CPA about. Uh, the federal government has extended deadlines to file tax returns, but even more importantly, to make tax payments. But now, not just the federal government, we're starting to see local governments also offer similar uh, relief, rebates, and just accommodations due to the pandemic. So excellent time to reach out to your, uh, your CPA a uh, crazy time for them as far as the timing of the year for, for this to happen. Uh, the, the, the March 15th Fed filing deadline, the April 15th filing deadline, you know, CPAs are so busy in February, March, and even under ordinary circumstances. Uh, I feel for them all. Uh, it's especially crazy this year, but nevertheless, this should be part of your conversation with your, your CPA. And you should really find out whether or not you need to make certain payments now, or can you wait a few months? Because once again, if you can hold on to your cash, hold on to your resources, 
it'll allow you to be in a better position when things open back up. Popular one, uh, which I'll turn over to uh, my colleague Anna here, unemployment benefits. Um, what happens if you reduce people's hours? Uh, what happens if you lay them off? Is there a difference between laying them off and furloughing them? Um, what happens with independent contractors? Do we have to pay benefits? What about the federal government and the, the Corona relief bill? Anna, tell everybody about all of that, please. I'm just gonna open up my first yards for this one, uh, <laughs> Anna. But Anna, before we do this, I know I'd like to teach through stories. So I'm just gonna give you, you know, I'd say live your life in the most, right? So I'm a multi-practice owner. Not many people are multi-practice owners, not bragging at all, I'm exhausted. But, uh, you know, some people are associated, but let's talk about the solo dentist, Dr. Nacho, who's a solo general practitioner and who has five full-time employees, has two hygienists, one assistant, two front desk. Now their office is closed. I know we're gonna talk about PA specifically. Let's, re let's say it's PA. You know, now we have all these, this language that we can't even open at all. Tell me what Dr. Nacho, solo GP, walk us through some of these options. Yeah, so that's a great question. Unfortunately, right now, uh, the unemployment compensation uh, programs in this country are getting a lot of work, and it's it's really for the best. At this stage, um, if you cannot open your office or if you're seeing a temporary cut in hours, meaning that you know your, your employees that might have used to work five days a week are now only working one to see specific emergency patients or something like that, or if you're closed entirely, and we hope that is only temporary, then that, those staff members would be eligible to file for unemployment for this time, even though we hope it's only a temporary uh, arrangement or a furlough, as Rob mentioned, a furlough would be another way to, to label something as a temporary layoff with the hope that you're going to bring them back in the future. Is there a big so, difference in the action or the outcome or the results of unemployment versus a furlough? Are they essentially the same thing? They're essentially the same thing. I think people use a lot of those words interchangeably, but where they begin to matter is is what sort of uh, benefits and what sort of questions you're actually providing answers to. So when somebody goes to file unemployment, the question might be, you know, what is what are your exact circumstances? Are you seeing a reduction in hours or are you have zero hours at all at this stage? In that case, you're really temporarily unemployed. Um, where this furlough term has been thrown around a lot is really with respect to health insurance benefits. Um, a lot of people have been asking, you know, we know that this is a hardship. We already feel bad. We're putting our staff on unemployment. What do we do about trying to keep them on health insurance benefits? With that, some people's plans actually would allow them to keep uh, folks on their plans, even if they're laid off. But that would fully depend on your individual uh, health insurance plans. And you would have to talk to your benefits advisors about what your plan allows you to do. I just want to bring that point out on it because that's helped me. That's a really important one because say you have this Dr. Nacho's solo GP office and we've dealt with this with when people have gone on maternity leave that they were still part of the health insurance plan but they were required to pay their own benefits at that time for their maternity leave. Is that a similar scenario here where they have, if, it, if it's allowed on your plan, you have to JFO from your your uh, healthcare rep, you know, your agent. But if let's say, okay, yes, Dr. Nacho's solo GP, you can offer this through furlough. Would the team met with the employee be paying their premium so they still could have uh, health insurance? Would the office be paying it or would you be doing exactly what you did prior to this? 
Right. Well, and that would, and that's where your specific plan and hopefully your benefits advisor can really shed some light on this. There's, it is possible to keep your staff on your plan if it truly is a furloughed situation where you're hoping to bring them back. And that would depend on what your plan allows you to do. The other thing that you're referring to would probably be an employee's rights under COBRA, which is the federal law that says that an employee who's been laid off or is no longer employed by somebody, even if they quit voluntarily, would also have to be um, have access to health insurance on their their former employer's plan. Now, there's the federal law that requires that if you have 20 or more employees, but most states have these other statutes in place called mini COBRA that would apply oftentimes, for example, in Pennsylvania, if you have two or more employees. In that case, uh, if you've terminated your employees, you can't keep them on your plan or it's not financially viable for you to do that, then you would have to give them the COBRA notices in, that you would get from your benefits advisor, and that's how they would be able to continue to get uh, health insurance benefits while they're unemployed. The problem then becomes, you know, the cost then essentially is on the, the uh, unemployed person to help cover that. So basically what you're telling us, if you're a practice owner, 10, 9, and 7 already, you have quite a bit of phone calls to be making over the next day or so. So definitely phone so. calls and emails. Yeah, exactly. And one thing for everyone to know here too is that when it comes to unemployment, this is going to be governed by your specific state statute, and every state is a little bit different. Um, all the states have them. The whole idea is the same, is that it's it's there to help provide relief for people who are unemployed by no fault of their own, in this case, because coronavirus is making it so they cannot work or their employers have to lay them off. But how that actually gets applied for really depends on your state. Um, for example, we're seeing in Georgia that if you want to get partial unemployment, then the employer actually has to file it on your behalf. So it's really important that everyone go talk to their legal counsel, um, talk to their benefits advisors, figure out how this is all going to work because it can be a very complicated process. Um, and things are changing around this as well. And you know, the legal, the federal government is having to pass a lot of legislation <laughs> to put more money to help support these programs, which are ordinarily funded by taxes coming out of payroll. And I will share nicely for my amigo, my awesome amigo and amiga friend that they're, and just like when I see stuff about clinical, we're sharing our thoughts. We have a, <coughs> our podcast is going right, Rob, that it's not legal advice. Consult your attorney, right? We've got Dan's bumper in the, in the, uh, yes, yeah, 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 so. it's true. Right? So we don't have that for the Facebook uh, group. <laughs> yes. By all means, this is not legal advice. And this is, these are just general guidelines and some things that we see, you know, everybody's, situation is different. So uh, it's important for you all to, to seek your own legal counsel with this stuff. And so uh, I'm, on a, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see, at least initially, when this uh, pandemic was starting to heat up, you know, uh, a week ago, uh, people were still a little reluctant to file for unemployment or to recommend that their employees file for it. And in some cases, people were still talking about trying to keep people employed. And I think, uh, from my observation, most practice owners are realizing that, hey, you know, we need to leverage these unemployment benefits and and going, uh, trying to be a hero at this point and keep your people employed uh, by draining every dollar that you have in reserve is probably not a really good strategy. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, this is unfortunately or fortunately what the unemployment compensation programs are for. Um, you know, I've been feeling a little down in the dumps lately because all I've been doing all day is telling people that they should really tell their staff to go file for unemployment. But that's a great point. What we don't want to happen here is that people try to do the right thing by their employees and keep them employed, maybe paid them paid benefits that they might not be entitled to for the purposes of keeping them afloat for now, which in turn 
harms them in the long term because we really don't know how long this is going to last. One thing to know when it comes to compensation of your employees, depending on how your employees are classified under the FLSA, which governs when somebody is entitled to collect overtime for hours worked, for a lot of dental office employees, they are considered to be non-exempt, which means they could also collect overtime if they were working it, but that also means that they're only going to get paid for hours that the staff actually works. In most cases, this is going to be your assistants, some of your hygienists, probably your front desk staff. So in that case, once you um, are at a point where you've cut somebody hours and they're not entitled to work, unless there's some other circumstances going out there, you don't really have to pay them anymore. So any additional leave that you provide that would be paid would be solely out of the goodness of your heart. And again, that's great if you can afford to do it, but you have to be really careful about not running the tank too low in the short term such that you have a hard time getting started again later. Yeah, good point. Uh, and so actually there was a question here uh, from one of the uh, one of the viewers uh, concerning independent contractors. And we have a, a little mention of that here on the slide. Uh, what is the difference between a W-2 and a 1099 when it comes to unemployment benefits? And what should people be thinking about if they are a 1099? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you're a 1099, then you're considered an independent contractor. And what that really means, that's a term that a lot of people kind of throw around rather loosely. But what it really is, is a classification for tax purposes. And that's governed by uh, rules set forth by the IRS. So classically speaking, your independent contractor would be somebody who basically maintains a lot of control over their work. And because they are not considered an employee under, by law, they also wouldn't be entitled to file for unemployment compensation or workers comp, for example, from their host. Unlike an employee who you would be covered for unemployment compensation under your employer's um, unemployment insurance program. So the unfortunate thing is we've seen a lot of uh, young associates get misclassified as an independent contractor. Oftentimes this is done to try to save on, on taxes at the employer's level. And what that means is that you're actually not eligible, eligible to file for unemployment from your host or employer. Now, if you're misclassified, you might still have some recourse. Um, you could still make that claim and it would be then up to the unemployment board of your state to figure out whether you have been misclassified and potentially get you unemployment benefits. But that can kind of take you down a really complicated road. And if you are paid on a 1099 or an independent contractor, you might be out of luck initially. Um, as to getting relief under unemployment, unless you've set up your own unemployment compensation program as the 1099. And you guys are a wealth of, of awesome resources, nacho toppings. You know, we're getting some questions in. If I'm a business owner, can I get unemployment if I have the right tax structure? I know this, you know, we all work uh, on this nacho plate of team from brokering practices, buyer coach, employee, um, dental folks, attorneys, accountants, bankers, which we'll talk about. Is it just best to just now's the time to rely on an advisor like your dental focused accountant with a lot of this stuff, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Yeah, as Anna said, this is a lot, all this stuff is, is state specific and the laws and the regulations in one state can vary wildly, especially on issues like that. Uh, Ariel, you can tag um, like some people that we know who might be interested in helping out some of our key resources and sponsors. We all know just on the lives so that people would have some resources if they want to reach out to people like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, and so, Anna, actually, if you could also speak to the, the federal legislation with the, with the family, uh, with the corona leave, 
Uh, I know we get a lot of questions about that. And uh, what's the status of, of that now as far as guidance that we have? And is there going to be guidance in the near future as to how to interpret the, that law? Yeah, absolutely. We have been getting a ton of questions about that, and rightfully so. Um, for those of you that have been following along in the news, the, the law that Rob is referring to is the second of what will probably be three separate bills that the federal government is trying to pass to help provide relief to citizens, small businesses, and, and folks dealing with all of these issues. Um, the most recent one was passed, was signed by President Trump, I want to say on Wednesday or Thursday of last week, it feels about, you know, six years ago <laughs> in Corona years, That's but um, at a, what that law does, it's, it's uh, known in shorthand a lot of times as the Family First Act. Um, it had a lot of different components. This was the one that was 112 pages long that I read over my coffee the other morning. It was really enticing reading at 730 in the morning, but... Um, Is that before or after the workout? <laughs> that was before... Um, I probably should have worked out first so that I would have had a little more uh, attention span for that because it was, it was a little snooze-inducing, I will admit that. Um, but for our purposes, two of the most important features of that law is one that's intended to provide um, paid sick leave to uh, employees that have to take time off. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons listed in the law. One of them might be to care for a child who's out of school because of coronavirus or care for somebody that has it, or if an employee themselves um, is showing symptoms and trying to seek care for coronavirus, or they've been, you know, mandated by their doctor or requested to quarantine. Um, the other component of the law is to expand the FMLA Act, which doesn't typically apply to a lot of our small business owners. Ordinarily, the FMLA would only apply if you have 50 employers, employees or more. So, as is, most of us know, for small practices, that doesn't really apply. What that does is um, to provide leave to individuals who, again, are caring for a child or somebody who is, um, who is home and, and stuck at home because of coronavirus. Now, that, the FMLA Act that has been expanded under this new law would also include a component of paid leave. Now, the reason we're getting a lot of questions about all of this is because, A, the way the bill is written, because I've read it myself, really poses a lot more questions and answers. We're still waiting on a lot of guidance from the Department of Labor um, on how these things are going to be implemented. There's mention, for example, of an exemption so that small employers wouldn't have to comply with some of these. And there's also reference to uh, carving out some healthcare providers as well. How all of that stuff is going to be implemented and applied to everyone is sort of a big question mark right now. And we're expecting further guidance from the Department of Labor this week as to what's going to happen. Now, that uh, bill also doesn't go into effect until April 2nd. So what seems to be the case right now is that for most of our listeners who have already laid off their staff, their staff is already collecting unemployment, this bill may not matter to them for the time being. Again, we'll have to see how that really plays out. But when you bring your staff back to work, that bill would impact your employees if they do need to take time off to care for a loved one, for example. Um, the other piece that comes with it too that we're getting a lot of questions about, and this is where everyone's CPA will uh, be extra busy again, is that there's a lot of tax relief provided in that bill as well, um, so that to help cover employers who are having to take on all these additional expenses of providing FML, paid FMLA leave or paid sick leave. Um, but again, the IRS is supposed to be coming out with more guidelines this week. So 
the short answer is we're still waiting for a lot to come. And I think in the next few days, we can hopefully put out some more alerts and, and let people know where they stand under this law. But for now, we're waiting on the Department of Labor and the IRS to tell us what exactly needs to be done by employers to implement all of these programs. It's like the classic civics. Remember the old like Saturday morning uh, civics uh, animation? It's probably before your time on it, but I think Paul probably remembers it. I remember the name, but I don't know. Could be could have even crossed me. I'm over here with Anna in, the, in, the, in this category. Right here. <laughs> so the old guy, but so really, what Anna's talking about is is really the we have these laws, and then sometimes we don't really know how those laws are going to be interpreted or what they mean until the uh, the the federal agencies then promulgate regulations that basically explain them, and that's what we're waiting for from the Department of Labor to interpret some of these things, especially the, the healthcare exemption and the small business exemption, because right now uh, it provides zero guidance as to what, what that means. Yeah, we're waiting on more rules to come. And, and, you know, if anyone is really bored, I think there's a Schoolhouse Rock video talking about how a bill becomes a law. That you remember, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, that is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. But I don't think they talk about then how like regulations come in after there is a law. So that, you know. Yeah. Maybe that's what we're here for, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why we have jobs. Uh, that's awesome. Great stuff, Anna. Um, and obviously, very popular topics uh, right now for, for any kind of practice owner or anybody who is an employee and associate in, in a practice. Next thing is, uh, you know, we're talking about business loans and stimulus programs. Uh, the SBA, Small Business Administration, is offering a lot of loans to help businesses during these difficult times to be able to fund their their operations. Uh, and they're also now I'm seeing recent times, in fact, this morning I was reading a, a, something for about the city of Philadelphia having its own stimulus program. So states, local governments, and the federal government have opportunities for people to borrow money now at relatively low interest rates and with somewhat favorable terms to help get through uh, this difficult time for, for their businesses. So uh, a good time to, to reach out to your, your financial uh, consultant or uh, the bankers that you would work with and get more information about those loans. There's a lot of information about them online. Um, and, you know, again, with all this stuff, you really want to try to assemble your war chest and wherever you can get some money and save some money and stash some money uh, you need to do that to keep your practice afloat. Uh, next thing is uh, with uh, OSHA issues. I mean, we had Linda Harvey on uh, a million years ago. No, I mean, last week, um, our last uh, taping of the, of the show. Uh, and she talked a lot about uh, challenges that uh, dental practices are facing now uh, with the uh, with hygiene and and from a, a PPE standpoint, see, I, I learned that, that term from you, Paul. Yeah, nice. yeah thanks, see? And I seem uh, like all the other cool lawyers might not know it. Yeah. I'll, I'll add a little bit on here because I've been working hard on this. We have some great people on this chat who are taking the lead. We need more help than just this one exhausted 42-year-old, and you guys have been awesome uh, so far. So as a dentist who's been a dentist for 17 years, has two practices, multiple awesome dentists working with him, uh, team members, uh, hygienists, assistants. The only thing that matters to us right now is how we're going to reopen our offices safely. To use an example, right now, if you think of golf, they've taken our golf clubs from us. What are the type of golf clubs we're going to get back to go play golf? How are they going to make sure it's safe for your caddy, make that your team when you get out there? 
for you, the dentist, and the other players on the course, which are your patients. So right now, PA has base, has shut down dentistry because they've required an N95 mask and a negative pressure room. Now, I was going to make a negative pressure room in my office, but instead I got a nacho machine. That was a bad choice looking back on it. I shouldn't have got that nacho machine. I'm just kidding because no one has that in their offices. And in fact, I don't know who has it in the state. And in a serious way, Robin, I got an email from my dental school. They've shut down the dental school at Penn because they don't have this. So now they have shut this down. And they're looking for places to provide dental care in PA. Each state is different. But regardless of which state you're in, this is not a blood-borne transmission like HIV or AIDS. It's airborne transmission. How infectious is it in the air? No one knows yet. That's why it is scary and concerning. If you went into your dental office to see an emergency tomorrow and wanted to help a patient, but you have your team member come in, are they, do they have the proper PPE? If you see a patient at 10 a.m. and then there's another patient at 11 a.m., is, there, are there, is, is the virus in the air for that other patient? They're studying this. There aren't any studies yet. These are all things for us to be incredibly aware of, but there's some great people in the chat that we have to, we have to be loud and share with OSHA, the CDC, and ADA. How are we going to get back to dentisting? Are they paying attention to us? What are the regulations they're going to put in place? I heard they had 30 days, but right now they've essentially taken our golf clubs away. And if you feel helpless, you can reach out to people and say, how can I help with this PP and PP issue, which is the issue to get offices open again. So that was my passionate plea about PPE. Look at that passionate plea about PPE. <laughs> say that three times fast. Yeah. Uh, but, and then that really goes into our next point too, Paul, which you know, state board directives, the ADA directives. Uh, and, you know, when you're talking about the fact what the, the requirement is now in Pennsylvania with, you know, with the crazy, you know, the room requirements and the mask, uh, some of that's not even coming from the state board of dentistry. It's coming from the department of health. So we've have all these agencies that are sort of chiming in, in a way that's not, not coordinated, not consistent. And so in some respects, you as a dentist could be asked to perform emergency treatment from one agency and another agency telling you that you have to have this impossible uh, uh, environment in your office to be able to. So the conflicting nature of a lot of this stuff is really, really frustrating. And it's hard to give guidance in addition to the fact that it's changing daily. And there are so many uh, agencies now that are getting involved in, in people's businesses in ways that they have no experience and they're not really qualified for uh, to understand that lumping certain things together just isn't going to work from a practical standpoint. And that one in, in our backyard here is, is just a classic case. And also just how these, as is like a real nacho plate, you put a great list here together, Rob. Um, you know, I was speaking with uh, the, um, my colleague with the practice sales today and when are the banks going to loan on these? Is it going to be when we reopen our offices? I'm not sure. It's a, it's a question, right? Like are the loans going through for dental practice sales now or any of these directives changing that? I, have you guys seen that at all? I haven't. We, we actually have closed some deals this week. Um, they were funded in the, in the ordinary way. Um, you know, obviously uh, things are on pause in a lot of respects or slowed down, but uh, we have not seen that uh, impact yet. I, I, I haven't. Have you, Anna? Not yet. I mean, I, I think we're going to have to see what happens with that, unfortunately, and what the banks need to see, especially if we see this break go on longer than people might be anticipating right now to see what sort of I mean, numbers. Just to catch everybody up who doesn't live in 
live with me. I know that's very, very, you know, upsetting to a lot of people that they're not Mrs. Nacho or the moderators, but uh, who isn't living this all the time? You know, we have different states. You know, Oregon has June 15th. New Jersey has April 20th. Other people have May 8th. So these, this is going on for a long period of time, and it just four and and six can kind of go together there a little bit. And I guess we're going to see. We'll be up back next week to see where we are with this list. Well, that's the frustrating thing, too. And it's the conflicting nature of some of these things and just, just the lack of, of detail. And look, we all realize that uh, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. But it's really hard to, to plan for your business, as you said, Paul. I mean, how much money should you be borrowing? How long do you have to pay your people? How long would you be paying their benefits? You know, what? these are all real questions. And it's impossible to plan right now. Uh, because it changes from day to day. It's different from place to place. I mean, I, I'd be curious, I mean, how, how is it that some states can say that, you know, we're going to be okay in the beginning of April and others say it's June? Like, where are they even getting this? We're living Nacho Hamilton right here. We're back in 1776 where, you know, we have just conflicting ideas and, you know, right, exactly. PA Department of Health. I want to share, you know, I'm, I try as I'm going through this, I'm thinking more like a person than a dentist. It's hard to be that way, you know, because you have a business. But I'm, I want to just share that if they're making these directives to not do dentistry without an N95, HEPA filtration, or negative air pressure, my sincere hope is that they're grossly overreacting to this and that we find that they're overreacting. I hope they say, ah, that was too much. I have this part of me that's concerned that certain people on the inside who are watching this getting information that we're not has a, has a deeper concern about the virus spread than what we're really realizing. That's just my sharing my thoughts genuinely. So my hope is that the PA Department of Health comes back in five days and says, you know what, we were overreacted. You can use your N95, that's a whole nother thing. N95 is not really for dentistry, but they come back with something different. But that's why, you know, it's unfolding minute by minute with this. Yeah, I, I think you might be giving them a little too much credit in some respects. I, you know, even today, you know, the president came out and said that after Easter, he wants things to return to normal. Now, you know, and that's basically three weeks from now. And immediately people lashed back and said, no, that's not going to work. It's not going to be okay. Well, frankly, I was happy to hear just that there's something. I mean, even though I was thinking three weeks, wow, I mean, we've already been shut in where we are, Paul and Anna, for, you know, we're in our second full week of, of essentially house arrest here. But, you know, at least there is an end point here. But what, what disturbed me was this sort of knee-jerk reaction that, oh, that can't be enough. Well, wait a second. Maybe it will be. You know, like we don't have to, we don't have to decide when this is going to end now. You know, it's good to set goals in some respects. But let's just realize that going into this, like there, there will be an end to it. And it's okay to talk about the end to this. You know, I, agree. I, mean, I think it's a horrible thing. We might use up all oh, you guys are giving such great information. We have so many questions. We'll go through this. Uh, if we don't, I'll save this for tomorrow. But my theme is we have to meet in the middle somewhere. The people who are most concerned about safety, then the economy, or maybe the economy, then safety. I know both camps are concerned about both. And I was watching last night, Mrs. Nacho uh, having uh, wine. A great commentator say we have the quintessential dilemma no good option we have the dilemma and we don't have a good option i think we need to meet in the middle and move forward and have a little more brett gilbert said a little more jbr or jgg just give grace because people you know are very concerned about both of these things and i just think we have to talk about them like i said without necessarily things set in stone 
because once they say Easter, it sounds like now it's set in stone, but they just came out and said it, you know, they could push that back, they can move it forward. And I just think it's such an emotional time. I did want to share that, you know, just to add in here, I know you guys have three other great points and I want to do our questions, but some states, someone shared that Oregon is mandating the donation of your PPE to hospitals. So, you know, that's like a whole, you know, they're saying, take your, we, we've done some drop-offs in New Jersey. We're organizing some things here to get this to the front lines. How our hospital workers don't have PPE is not so nuts to me, but we're in this moment. And they're saying in Oregon, take your PPE and give this to the hospital at this time, which seems like they're not as concerned in this moment, and maybe they shouldn't be, about the dental offices reopening. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. That's, uh, yeah. Not a, not a good state. No, someone shared there. So, yeah. so next, next thing, let's talk about existing practice loans. Hopefully everybody knows by now that if you have uh, a dental practice loan, you should be reaching out to your lender to see uh, what they'd be willing to do as far as deferring payments, going to interest only, some sort of forbearance, basically giving you a break on your loans while you are closed. I mean, dental lenders are not in the business of foreclosing on their dental loans. And you know, so, you know, they're, they're looking to, to essentially make deals here to keep the industry going because they want to get paid. And, you know, that's not in a selfish way. It is what it is. So realize that, that, you know, they, and they see that there are, uh, that the, the industry and the profession is under stress. So take advantage of those, and, you know, and by all means, reach out to your lenders. We'll tell you, you know, be, be understanding of them too. We've had some conversations uh, in our office where, you know, people have reached out to their lender at five o'clock uh, the day before and then 10 o'clock the next morning, they say, he hasn't called me back yet. And well, you know, they're, the, that phone is ringing off the hook too. So, you know, uh, what, what would you call that in, in nacho speak, uh, Paul? What is just be, you know, is it just, is that just be nice or just uh, be? Not, that might be just, be, uh, just, just uh, I, there was a great, my favorite actor, Tom Hanks, who, who took one for everyone and he got the coronavirus for us. Thanks, Tom, to show us that. But uh, he, there's a good meme of him saying, just wait, you know, just wait. It was not really this. And I, I kind of am trying to say to my dental people, it's not easy on all of us. Just wait. Let's see what happens in day 10, 11, 12, 13. It also applies to people contacting you. We, we get emergency. I do want to just say that it's important to handle things via your phone for your patients, stay connected, use teledentistry, whether that's your iPhone or some fancy platform. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit, but yeah, just wait a little bit because if you call up your lender at 459 and they have 14 other calls, you're just going to have to be patient with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and the next thing on that topic is malpractice. You know, so a lot of people have concerns about their malpractice insurance. This is another thing really like business interruption insurance. It's going to depend on the insurance policy. It's going to depend on the company. Uh, we posted uh, MedPro's uh, FAQs uh, on an email blast today and heard back from somebody that they were told that they're not insuring teledentistry right now. So, you know, you shouldn't assume anything. Uh, reach out to your insurance agent, talk to the insurance company, understand what you have coverage for. And again, just because your friend or colleague has certain coverage, they might be in a different part of the country, they may have insurance with a different company, know that that can vary from, from policy to policy, person to person. But uh, I was surprised to hear that teledentistry may not be covered in that instance. So be, be careful about that. And generally speaking, teledentistry, uh, from a regulatory standpoint, 
you shouldn't be doing it uh, or seeing patients or uh, giving advice to, to patients in, uh, in states where you're not licensed. So just because you're sitting in Pennsylvania, if you're not licensed in Texas, you shouldn't be giving Texas patients teledentistry advice or treatment. But again, reach out to your insurance company, find out if your malpractice insurance will cover that teledentistry because if they don't, you're going to have to come up with another alternative for, uh, for, for treating and assessing your patients. Really good, really good point there. And that's just where I think, you know, this, as this unfolds daily, the state, the health departments and the state boards are going to have to come up with some because the dentist is going to say, my hands are tied. I can't help you. It's such that I can't help you, you know, bring it up with the state board or the, or the health department. And they're going to start getting calls and emails about that too. So I think we're going to need some, uh, favorite word. Do a shot every time we say guidance and now uh, you need some guidance on, on that. So uh, great one, Rob. So last thing, which is really just a catch all is, you know, just you're dealing with the reality of the situation here. Um, and you have to keep alive. You have to stay alive with your practice. All these things together, you know, are part of the, the overall kit that you need to keep your practice afloat, you know, access and leverage all of them. Uh, because you don't know how long this is going to take. And at a certain point, you know, you're going to have to make business decisions as, and some of them may not be popular. They may not be decisions that you want to make. And there may not be a good alternative, as Paul said, you know, we're trying to decide between two very bad things in terms of how you're going to conduct your practice and whether you're going to be able to do it in a way that, that you feel comfortable with, or what are the economics of what you're looking at. Uh, but ultimately in the short term, the key is, you know, to stay afloat and stay alive. And um, we queued up some BGs the other day when we were talking yeah. about this. I don't have the technology to do that now, but you know, if you can kind of look back and you know, kind of visualize Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta, you know, dancing in his white uh, his white three piece suit uh, at the disco, you know, you know that that is really the mission here. And you know, we're fighting this at, at a lot of different levels, um, dealing with you know, a lot of times conflicting things from the government. Uh, news that, you know, we have to try to parse through what's true and what's not. Uh, and, uh, but ultimately, you know, you have to do everything in your power to keep your business afloat and it's not going to go on forever. Hopefully it ends soon. Um, but, um, you know, you have to pace yourself. Um, and ultimately, as we've said to clients, you know, you're, you're in this not to, <laughs> to do something for the next two weeks or two months you're in this for the next 10 years or 20 years, you know, and you really have to think in the big picture about that stuff. And, and um, uh, great points there. Great list. We're going to leave this up as we go through this lightning round of questions that I'm going to lead you. Thanks Rob and Anna for doing this. Really, really appreciate it. Just as I want to share just throughout this contact info, because maybe someone's watching this at one in the morning on Facebook live or, or listening, you know, uh, dentalnachos.com is our website and you can use it to get, you know, email us to connect with people. Also our bucket salsa dental nachos.com is a way we're handling a lot of questions. I'm getting a lot of texts and emails. I do want to just point in, you know, I'm going to interrupt you here. We're, we're at, so while we're talking about our websites, we are your dental lawyer.com is our lawyer.com one L right. Um, two. two L's. Good question. How to think about that. Sorry. Uh, we'll your dental lawyer. If you spaced it, it'll be three words. Hey. Push together. One great website. You put that in the chat and then put that in the Facebook Live. YourDentalLawyer.com, SalsaDentalLawyer.com. I do want to share just, so when my theme for this week was safety. Last week was safety, stress, and sanity. Today, and I like your emails, Rob, it says stay safe, stay sane. Uh, safety, 
My, mine is safety strategy and small solutions. One small solution I encourage you to do, I have an email list that I send out every day. We have the uh, nacho takeout menu. We have complimentary C courses. We have things like that. And people unsubscribe, which is totally cool because they say, I have too many emails. I can't handle it. But they're using their Gmail account from high school, which has so many emails in it. So I encourage you at this time to make a business email that you use as a different bucket. One of the best resources and advice I got from my own coaches was to start to bucket your information in a certain way. And I think if you're sitting out thinking, I don't want my personal email to blow up with all these things, but I don't want to miss out on all this information right now, make a professional email and put, give it to the list and give it to people because there's going to be a lot of information coming out. A lot of it's going to be totally free for all of us. I'm in that same boat where I'm getting stuff each day, but if it was in my high school Gmail account, I totally see how that could be overwhelming. Uh, let me, let's go through our lightning round of questions here, Robin on, we'll only keep you for about 10 more minutes, but let's just go. Uh, and some of this we may have answered, so you can give short answers to. Pros and cons of firing your team and then collecting unemployment without the owner having to be responsible in the bill coming up versus a team member furlough, reduction to zero hours, keeping health insurance, and then being responsible for the bill. So sort of this choose your own adventure. You know, you're, you're laying off, firing your team, collect, having them collect unemployment, be firmly in this camp. You are not involved with this bill coming up. Is, is that sound right on it right now? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think that might be a bit of an oversimplified uh, assessment of the whole thing, but ultimately if you are furloughing or uh, laying off your team, even if it's supposed to be only temporary, they can collect unemployment for that time in which they're seeing a reduction in hours or no hours at all. If you're referring to the bill in the future, you know, again, I, it's our understanding right now that this bill that goes into effect on April 2nd, if your team is already laid off, then that, that bill is a little bit too late for them. It wouldn't really apply until they come back to work for you and are working um, and back to work and, and doing tasks and, and whatnot. And at that point, they would be eligible for sick leave or FMLA leave potentially if this became relevant. So basically, practice owners still just have to keep their ear to the ground every day on this. And this deadline of April 2nd seems to be a deadline of decision making. Yeah, I think it really is. I mean, and ultimately, because everyone has been closed now, we're reducing hours for the past week or so. I think a lot of our, our clients have already had to make the, the difficult decision of telling their staff to go collect unemployment because they just simply haven't had any work to, for them to do. Gotcha. That's it. Um, when the DOL finally executes the bill, how do you think it will be translated as far as offering 80 hours of paid leave to employers who are already not working? Maybe that's a redundant question. Uh, maybe you understood that better than I did or Rob. Uh, yeah, I think that's sort of the same question. Again, if somebody is already laid off and not seeing any hours, then they probably wouldn't qualify for the reasons that they could use sick leave or FMLA leave that are articulated in the bill right now. Gotcha. So the furlough would be the only way to keep that connection to doing that versus the un uh, firing. Uh, do you think dental offices are going to be considered healthcare and be exempted from these new legislations? So that's a very big question. We don't really know at this stage. One thing I will tell you is that there is an exemption for certain healthcare providers that may cover dentists that may not cover somebody who works in your office, like an assistant or a hygienist or a front desk person. The other thing is, like I said earlier, there is this exemption that's mentioned for small businesses, um, but how that's going to be applied, how you can qualify for that is, is one big open question that we're waiting for the Department of Labor to tell us right now. Gotcha. Um, 
Can you please share some knowledge about dental associates who are on H-1B visas? Any advice for them? Yeah, fortunately, we are not immigration attorneys. Um, if you are in an H-1B, you should probably speak with a specific immigration attorney because that is a whole other uh, realm of issues that you could be facing with that. Gotcha. Uh, if, are there any available resources for misclassified workers, 1099 versus W-2 in states like California and New York. So I guess if you're misclassified, what would you do at this time? So that's something, um, again, whether you're misclassified is going to depend on quite a few factors, first being what the IRS considers and then also what your state considers you as. Um, you know, you should really probably speak with an attorney first before deciding how to proceed. Um, take a look at the terms of your contract if you have one. And then at that point, you can decide you know, what, what your options are as, as far as potentially pursuing some relief with that. Gotcha. Thanks for that. Uh, topic for later, better to have a work contract with employees that will legally cover that. Uh, that one I don't totally understand. Is this, if employees are getting unemployment benefits, should we still pay the FMLA or paid sick leave? This seems to be coming up again. Sorry if it's redundant for you, Anna. Uh, That's okay. I, th I think that's basically asking the same thing again if you're if you're un, if somebody is unemployed already then it's my understanding they probably wouldn't be eligible for the leave while they are unemployed and collecting unemployment they might at a later date once they come back and well, what you said rob which is good is, is just why we're in this dilemma unemployment presents the opportunity to be paid and right. and survive for your employees so it's just a, just a very challenging dilemma rob one for you will you post the slides at the end so we'll, we'll put that in the show notes right or yeah, we got to figure out how to do that. Um, Probably just a screenshot of it would be be great. Yeah, do that. Sure. Um, how does the how does the clause Rob mentioned in the beginning affect landlords demanding lease schedules for force majeure? Yeah, so that's really going to depend on the language of the lease and the language of the force majeure clauses. A lot of force majeure clauses will say that they do not apply to the tenant's obligation to pay rent. Um, but again, uh, it just depends on, uh, on two things, really the state and the state law as to that issue and the language of the contract. So that's not one, one size fits all with that. So Jeff Nacho, just send on our lease so she can read that on the Peloton tomorrow, please. Thank <laughs> you. Can you put that up on your Peloton reading schedule? One of our, our, our leases for the place we don't uh, own. This is a question, you know, two questions on the same topic, which is, and I'll kind of jump into, it's like. How are you, what are you supposed to do in PA or any state when you have an emergency patient, such as a pediatric patient needing extraction, and we don't have enough N95s for the hospital, or we don't have enough N negative pressure rooms, what are we supposed to do? Even Penn is shut down. So I don't know if you guys want to answer this as a person without your lawyer hats on, or I can answer this, but I see this in Jeff, Jeff and I, and Jeff is doing the majority of the work, but you know, we're, we're, I do recommend you stay connected to your patients, walk them through. Uh, we have a great video I made this morning uh, with Drew about what's emergent, what's urgent, and what's uh, chronic, and what's no big deal from me sharing my thoughts. Not clinical, but what I developed when I was a, a chief resident at Einstein, because we had 40 people waiting to get in, and we had to put them into piles. Acute emergency, urgent, chronic, no big deal. And the three questions we asked, do you have a breathing problem, swallowing problem, or facial swelling? And if they said no to all those things, they would immediately go from acute emergency to urgent. One of the things I encourage you is to leave conversations like this. It's not clinical advice, like Robin said about his legal advice, but what I do. Um, Anna, I know you have a toothache. It's bothering you. This whole thing stinks. 
I want you to let me know if anything gets worse. Call me back if anything gets worse. And if you experience any of those things that we talked about, breathing problem, swallowing problem, or facial swelling, go to an ER to get attention. Because what I'm sharing with our team out here is that most general dental offices are not set up to handle acute emergencies like that. We need oral surgeon and endodontist. And if you have not access to tooth for endo in the past decade, I don't know if now is the time to start during the coronavirus. So that's a whole nother issue, Ravana, for your clients and viewers that, you know, they're asking us to fight fires when we've had, when we've been plumbers for, you know, the past decade. Yeah. And, you know, the question specifically was asked to pedo and, and that's a really a, a difficult thing. So even assuming, you know, assuming you do have a, a true emergency that needs to be treated, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer to that question. And that, you know, ultimately, I feel like the, uh, the state boards and the state dental associations really need to step up and say, look, you know, this is not working. You can't give us this kind of conflicting guidance here. You can't tell us that we have to do it, but then tell us that, you know, the only way we can do it is, is going to be violating the law. You know, that's, that's wrong, you know, and so easy for me to sit here and, and, and point the finger at somebody. But, you know, the, the reality is there needs to be more advocacy uh, at that level to, to bring this into something that is workable. You know, dentists should not have to ask these questions, right? It, it should be obvious. It should be, it should be, this is, these are the rules and everybody play by them and everybody understands them. But this conflicting, vague stuff you know, that frankly doesn't work. You know, it's just a case of really just throwing people out on the stream. Like, hey, yeah, go figure it out. And, yeah, you know, man, if you, anyone has any ways to share emails, I think emailing and calling um, uh, and kindly annoying slash annoying and saying, what are we supposed to do? The more we say the words, the more people hear the words from the PP to this is important. Two last things before we wrap up. Uh, small business owners, you mentioned about getting a loan, Rob. Uh is that something you apply for through normal channels? How do you determine the amount? Do we have any feedback on that from the bills with the relief for the small business loans? Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, it's just like any other loan. You know, I, I would start with the, the bankers where you have your, your business loans already. They're SBA-backed loans, which means they're guaranteed by the SBA, but they're still made by, by, uh, by the, the, the local banks or by the, 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 usual, uh, the usual lenders. As far as the amount, that's something that you really need to work with your CPA on as far as how much money you need given the overhead that you have during, uh, during the shutdown. What I'd like to say, Robin, even though this, and I think it just brings up a theme of the Dental Amigos and what I've learned from you, what hopefully we've talked to our audience, this is a good time. We have like 60 episodes, so you got a lot of time. An episode, an episode of Quarantine Day, it's all complimentary out there on the dentalamigos.com, tons of stuff. So even though there's this reluctance to spend money and do stuff, it's not the time to DIY the biggest decisions of your life. So if you need to consult with an attorney or an accountant or, or, or a financial advisor, now is the time. I, I, I know that you feel like you're not making money, but everyone has a credit card and people have some savings. And if you don't, I understand that's challenging. But for most of us practice owners, we are not at a point where we are, all of our accounts are zero, your practice account may be zero, and now is the time before you make a giant decision in your life. And we had David Phelps on yesterday, Rob, who was, who was really outstanding. And, you know, he talked about sometimes you have to recenter. And, you know, bankruptcy is not the worst word in the world. He knows successful people who've done that. I'm not saying that that – I'm not trying to scare anybody by do that, but I'm just sort of saying, you know, would you agree, Rob, it's not the time to DIY uh, this stuff. I mean, all options on, are on the table right now, and you have to know what those options are to be able to make an informed decision as to the best 
course of action. And, you know, as we said, it's a combination of all the things we're talking about today and some things that may not be on the list. And as we sit here on March 24th and record this show, there could be new things tomorrow that, you know, you just don't know about. So you have to really go to the people that are doing this day in, day out. You know, we're, we're joking with Anna, you know, about the fact that she's reading all this stuff every day, but that's what you have to do, you know, and it's the only way that you can stay on top of it and, and have, have an idea as to what's going on. And, you know, we obviously have our ears to the ground and we hear about, you know, the tax relief or, the, the loan forgiveness or the, the deferred uh, payment schedule with, with loans. But, you know, we're out in the space and we know all these people. And that's how we get our information. Like trying to go it alone at this point, um, it just, you just, you could be missing out on opportunities or you could be doing something you don't need to. You know, maybe you should be filing bankruptcy or maybe you shouldn't file bankruptcy because you could just go get a loan that, that get you through, you know? Like, yeah. and, that, and that's where the goal is. I, I, one of my favorite things to do is my buyer coaching because I kind of look at stuff and I say, run from this, go further. And now this seems quaint in comparison to what we're doing here. But you want to get advice from people who aren't emotionally attached to your life because people that love you will give you terrible advice as evidenced by uh, Jill's awesome daughter uh, leading Daphne on the most dangerous path to get into our beach house at one time. And Daphne said, I'm going to follow her. And that was four-year-olds thinking they were helping each other. They weren't. So the people inside of your life who don't do this, they're resources. But your goal is to look for people who are not emotionally invested in your life at this time and say, does this sound normal? Is this a good idea? Tell me, I've heard you will, I will, you will not regret that. You can always make a decision. These are very difficult decisions to unmake. And I feel for everybody out there. I want to thank Rob and Anna uh, for our special Amigos podcast. Dentalamigos.com has all of our episodes. Yourdentallawyer.com, dentalnachos.com. Ariel, you can, um, uh, in a minute, take us off Facebook Live. Rob and Anna, any parting words for, the, uh, for everyone listening, watching, and our audience? No, I, I would say, you know, everybody stay sane. You know, use this time to, to center yourself. I think you're, you know, what David Phelps said makes, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, spend time with the people that you love and try to have, Find time to put the phone down, get away from the news, go out and exercise, spend time with your dog, you know, and oh, yeah. your, your favorite thing. The great you thing is- led with this picture. We would have had 200 on Facebook Live. Oh, man, I want to lead my whole life with this. I'm taking a picture of this and saying it's my dog for, to get people on Facebook Live, so- Luna does have her own Instagram account. Now, my daughter has not been posting as much as she used to. But, you know, really, uh, the great thing about Luna is every day, you know, you, you walk in the door or you walk into the room and- she doesn't care about, about coronavirus, right? So uh, I find that, you know, it's a good time to, to spend time with your, with your pets. Uh, it's a good break from everything else that's going on. And, you know, we're not going to give Bandit Honest Dog short shrift oh, here. Oh, yeah, look at that. I like that. You look at Bandit. Yeah, sitting right behind me on the ground. I'm surprised he hasn't barked yet. <laughs> we had a shoe Luna out uh, of, of the room here, and, and she came back a couple of times. And she was very good, though. You guys should do this like the Puxicani Phil. If you think they're going to pass the bell, Bandit, bark twice. It's like, you know, like, that's what we should start doing, Bring Bandit and Luna on. Uh, Bandit, yeah. Bandit's got about as good of an idea as anybody out there as to what's going to happen next. So that's a scary thing, but true. I, I, I would show off with the moderator, but she's having snacks. She's on a, she's on a 23-hour-a-day snack program, Drew, the moderator, So uh, especially when her uncle watches her. So awesome, guys. You can take us off Facebook Live, Ariel, and then we'll just hang on the Zoom chat for a minute. Um, and and thanks then, to all of our, our podcast listeners for tuning in. And as always, you've got plenty of time this week yeah. to go and, and write a great review for us on iTunes or on Google Play. And uh, remind everybody that we do have a feature on the Dental Amigos website where you can 
submit a question and we'll read it on the show. So uh, again, plenty of time to think up lots of questions and we'll, we'll read it live. Um, so uh, check that out and thanks everybody for tuning in. And as Paul said, I do like to tell everybody now, stay safe and stay sane. Take care of yourself. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the dentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.